Welcome to Weekend Ag Matters from the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Join us for an in-depth look at Iowa agriculture. Here's your host, Mark Magnuson. Hello and welcome to Weekend Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. In today's episode, Riley Smith is joined by Iowa Farm Bureau President Brent Johnson. Dustin speaks with Iowa Secretary of Agriculture Mike Nag, and Russ Parker provides his faith-based segment. Let's turn our attention now to this week's news headlines. This week, House Agriculture Committee Ranking Member David Scott called to extend the 2018 Farm Bill to offer certainty and support to farmers, ranchers, and foresters as extremism within the House Republican Conference hobbles legislative efforts. Quote, While we continue the bipartisan effort on the House Agriculture Committee to craft a new farm bill, the extremism and cynicism that has taken hold of the broader House Republican Conference makes a five-year farm bill reauthorization by the year's end increasingly unlikely. Therefore, I am calling on my colleagues to support a one-year extension of the 2018 Farm Bill. A one-year extension is the responsible thing to do. It allows our farmers, ranchers, and foresters to operate with an element of certainty while we continue working on a bipartisan five-year Farm Bill. Agriculture Committee Democrats remain committed to passing a strong, effective, and bipartisan farm bill as quickly as we can. However, we refuse to subject our nation's farmers, ranchers, foresters, and families to an artificially rushed and haphazard farm bill simply because House Republicans faced a leadership crisis and have created uncertainty regarding any bipartisan legislation being able to pass on the House floor. End quote. Again, that was House Agriculture Committee Ranking Member David Scott. The Iowa Corn Growers Association developed language they'd like added to the upcoming farm bill that would review competition and transparency in the fertilizer industry. The language would mandate a USDA assessment of the pricing practices used by fertilizer companies and the effects of the price increase on both farmers and consumers. The association points out that input costs for farmers have gone up drastically and are crucial topics at the grassroots level. This assessment would provide transparency in the fertilizer market and help farmers to understand why these price increases keep occurring. Jolene Reeson, president of the ICGA, says, quote, We're hopeful with the support of our Iowa delegation that this language will make it into the next farm bill, as it would provide USDA with the framework to start a comprehensive study and review of the fertilizer industry, end quote. The study would paint a clear picture of what's happening in the industry. And the Purdue University CME Group Ag Economy Barometer rose four points in October to 110. The modest improvement in farmer sentiment resulted from farmers' improved perspective on current conditions on their farms, as well as their expectations for the future. The index of current conditions rose three points to 101, while the index of future expectations rose five points to 114. Farmers in this month's survey were a bit less concerned about the risk of lower prices for crops and livestock and felt somewhat better about their farm's financial situation than a month earlier, although that did not translate into a more favorable investment outlook among survey respondents. Farmers remain cautiously optimistic about farmland values, particularly when asked to look ahead five years. Nearly one in four farmers responding to the survey reported making changes in their farm operations in response to longer-term weather pattern changes. Changes implemented by farmers were wide-ranging, and some reported making multiple changes in response to shifting weather patterns. You can find our five daily news stories on our website each and every day at iowaagnet.com. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter, which delivers those five daily stories to your inbox also every day. And you can find all of our video content as well on YouTube for the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe and click on the notification icon as well. 
And that's all the time we have for this week's news headlines. Let's turn it over now to Russ Parker for his faith-based segment here on Weekend Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. For those of you who know me, I use the phrase, sounds like a plan, a lot. In fact, I caught myself saying that just about 30 minutes ago again. Now, the change engine light came on in my vehicle. It's been on for months. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's that amber-colored warning light situated between your gauges behind the steering wheel. I'm told that as long as that warning light is not blinking, then there's nothing to be really concerned about. Usually, I'm told, the car's computer got a signal telling it that some maintenance item needed some attention. As a do-it-yourselfer, maintenance has always been a part of my repertoire. For example, I know that the gutters need to be cleaned out because when it rains, they overflow. Or when the light bulb goes out, I know it needs to be replaced. Or when the smoke alarm goes off, I know that the battery needs to be replaced. The point is, these are obvious no-brainers how-to-fix occurrences. Now back to what I call the check engine idiot light. What caused it to come on? Most time, the vehicle seems to be running just fine. So my point is, how does the average do-it-yourselfer solve this problem? So recently I saw my brother, a mechanic, and he said that he had a tool that he could plug into the car's computer and quote-unquote read the error codes. He asked if I wanted him to try that, and I said, sounds like a plan. And it turned out that it was a good plan. There was an oxygen sensor in the exhaust system that had gone bad. He replaced the broken part, and voila, idiot light went off. A good plan. Isn't it true that warning lights are also a part of our life? We obviously don't see an amber light go on, but instead that something just needs to be fixed. And I think it's true, at least in my life, that it's hard to put my finger on exactly what needs to be repaired. Most of the time, and I think that you'll agree, the problem has something to do with the condition of our hearts. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Sounds like a good plan to me. Food for thought, I hope. This is Russ Parker. Have a blessed day. Thanks, Russ. Up next, Riley Smith will visit with Iowa Farm Bureau President Brent Johnson at the Food Bank of Iowa for segment number two of Weekend Ag Matters here on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. If you thought soybeans were only used for tofu, think again. From tires and adhesives to next-generation asphalt, soy is used to create over 1,000 industrial products and counting. Thanks to your soy checkoff investment, the sky's the limit for Iowa soybean farmers. Oh, and speaking of skies, did I mention soy is also used in sustainable aviation fuel? The Iowa Soybean Association, powered by the soy checkoff, is driven to deliver for Iowa's 40,000 soybean farmers. Learn more at IASoybeans.com. Welcome back to Weekend Ag Matters. Here's Riley Smith. 
Airway and the Iowa Farm Bureau have partnered together to donate over 57,000 pounds of ground protein to Iowa food banks in response to Food Bank of Iowa's Meet the Need campaign. Had the chance to talk with Brent Johnson, Iowa Farm Bureau president at the Food Bank of Iowa to discuss this partnership with Fairway and just how exactly this donation came to be. Obviously a huge donation and it comes at a great time where the, the need for you know, high quality protein is greater than ever. So yeah. just walk us through a little bit, Brent, on this partnership you guys have with uh, Fairway and just uh, how this fits in with your guys' mission as well. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, we've, we've partnered with Fairway on a few different programs, but this one specifically, Meet the Need. Um, you know, it's, it's a partnership with Fairway where, you know, the, there was a match to purchased meat and to be able to offset some of that percentage of purchased meat, donate it to the food banks of Iowa so that we can distribute high quality protein across the entire state at a time when when high protein is really needed in in the food bank system it's a it's a it's a real shame that you know we we even have this conversation today about food insecurity and things but but here we are and so the Iowa Farm Bureau and our members are constantly looking for solutions and in this partnership with Fairway and the food banks of Iowa um, accomplishes that goal of, of taking care of, of our farm families, our small rural communities, and making sure that those food needs are met wherever we are in the state. And of course, just such a great opportunity. How did this partnership start with Fairway of getting that conversation started and then deciding that this donation was, you know, the, the course of action that you guys wanted to take? Yeah, well, we're, we're always brainstorming different ideas and, and our, our work with Fairway goes back a long ways. You know, it started very simply with, you know, the real meat campaign and, and you know, portraying many of our farm families across the state. You've probably seen some of them on some of the fairway trucks and, and just various different programs along the way. And, and when the food bank said that, you know, we have a, we have a shortage of, of meat, of protein, uh, we worked with fairway to come up with a solution. And, and here we are with the meet the need program. And then, you know, not only does it come at a time where the demand for that high quality meat is high, we're also approaching the holiday season where a lot of people who are potentially not going to be able to afford that holiday meal. And if they're able to go to a food bank and, you know, get that protein to maybe just get a little bit more enjoyment out of what can be a stressful time, you know, that's one of those things, it's why not, you know, why wouldn't you do it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the holiday season is, is a great way to, to showcase the high quality foods that are grown right here in this state. And so to to be able to to take some of our production that, that we're so good at in this state and you know we're we're known worldwide for the the ability to grow high quality foods and to provide a little sense of comfort at a, at the time of you know Thanksgiving, Christmas, all the holiday seasons. And to 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 put those two pieces together, I mean, this this campaign is it's timely and it's it's a perfect meet of, of that need. And then, uh, you know, just looking at think or thinking about last year with this donation, we had another meet the need donation from Fairway, and of course, it was a similar donation. Uh, but to be in here and see this donation physically, yeah. and of course, that's thanks to the new expansion they here at, uh, they have here at the food bank that they're able to hold this much uh, product now but to see just how many boxes are stacked around us right now and, and showing exactly how much product that is, I think really kind of puts in perspective just how big of a donation this is. Yeah, yeah it, it really does. You know, there's two trucks being unloaded right now into this, into this 
very large warehouse and the and the distribution network that the food bank has across the, in all 99 counties is an important part of the aspect of distributing this high quality protein. Brent, thanks for taking the time to visit with us today. Anything else our listeners and viewers should know about when it comes to this donation or anything else you guys have coming up this holiday season? You know, the the Iowa Farm Bureau always has so many programs going on that, that fits so many different parts of, of rural communities and, and farmers and agriculture's life. You know, go to iowafarmbureau.com. I'm really proud of our members across the entire state, 156,000 family members. And, you know, there's so many good stories to tell. Not only are we the top in production across so many different commodities, but we're doing it the right way. We also lead in conservation in so many different in, programs, you know, waterways, cover crops, all, there's so many good stories, not only in volume of production, but in process of production. And I, and I couldn't be prouder to be leading this organization. Also had the chance to visit with Jeff Cook, the Vice President of Market Operations at Fairway, about their side of the donation and how exactly they came to that partnership with the Farm Bureau, as well as the decision to donate to the Food Bank of Iowa. Uh, Jeff, just talk us through this donation and uh, just kind of why you guys landed on the Food Bank of Iowa as that spot you wanted to donate to. Um, they've always been a great partner and we want to support the need of the, of the families in the 55 communities that this, this food bank um, supports. Um, but it's always meaningful for us. Fairway, you know, we're a food company and we're certainly about fa uh, family. Fairway family is always a huge concept that we uh, speak very proudly of. Um, and, and for us to be able to give a little bit back, especially right before the holidays, um, just a great opportunity to partner with our friends at the Iowa Farm Bureau to make this donation happen today. And I just talked with Brent Johnson, and that was a big thing that we tried to touch on was that we are approaching the holiday season. There's going to be a lot of people who not only need that high-quality protein, but they're just looking for something to have for a meal during the holiday season. So in a time where maybe there might be extra stress from trying to find that meal, having this extra protein available for them to make a nice holiday meal, uh, you know, is obviously a very much a blessing for them. Yeah, absolutely. And to, and to have, like you said, a, a nutritious and warm meal, um, it's just a great opportunity um, for us to be able to give back to that. Um, and hopefully the, the small donation, 57,000 pounds, um, will stretch. We were just talking to the food bank. Um, they're going to be able to limit it, and they're hopefully this will take out about six weeks. So that gets us right through the holiday season. Um, so I know we're going to already start on next year um, to work with this campaign, and hopefully we can make it bigger and better than when, the one we have here today. Great to hear that uh, next year, uh, you know, those words being used already because you guys were here last year making the donation. And obviously, you know, you guys have been able to see as well just how far this donation reaches and, and how many people it can impact. Yeah, and, and, and not only this one, but with the Iowa Farm Bureau, this donation today will hit all 99 counties in the state of Iowa. So um, even, you know, warms the heart a little bit more, making sure that we can help those that just need a little lift or, like you said, a little support uh, going into the holiday season, that we can just be a little bit, a little part of that and hopefully make somebody's day a little bit better. Let's talk about how great it is to have that partnership with the Farm Bureau because, as you guys are probably very aware, you know, you can't just do it all by yourself. You need to have that partnership and everybody needs to work together uh, to fight, you know, food insecurity in the state. Yeah, and, and, and they, we do a lot with them. Um, I know Brent mentioned the uh, Cram the Cab event, that we do a lot of our stores at the local county level. Uh, anyway, we can do that. And food insecurity is big, and as, as they stated earlier, that it's bigger now than it was even during the pandemic. So anytime we can get together and get the Fairway family together and, and put the efforts behind a donation like this, um, it's, it's, a, it's an awesome event. 
And, you know, speaking of those other food pantry events that you guys take care of, obviously the fight against food insecurity isn't just, you know, from one donation. It's ongoing battle all the time. Uh, what are some other events you guys have coming up, uh, you know, especially as we get further into the holiday season or just into next year that you guys are just looking forward to uh, being able to support with? Um, well, those are obviously the specific ones we talk. Um, you never know when a new opportunity comes up that we're approached all the time. And, um, you know, we try to share our resources and make it the best we can possible. Um, but like I said, this being year two and, and the growth that we've had this event alone, we're going to put a lot of focus on that. Um, this is the first year that we brought our friends from the Iowa Farm Bureau on. Um, so to see it improve from a year ago, we'll, we'll put a lot of focus on this one. And then, like I said, the crab, the uh, cram the cab events that they do. Um, a lot of our local stores are really getting behind that. So at the local county level, we, we continue to see that increase and we'll see more and more of those every year. And it's almost become a friendly competition amongst our stores on who can do better. So those are, those are probably the primary ones, um, but, but even the support at the local store and county level is really important to us. Of course, that uh, competition is always good to see competition in a, you know an effort like this. So, looking forward to seeing you know your guys' efforts continue those donations for uh, next year. And uh, Jeff, just thanks for taking the time to visit with us today. I appreciate it. Thank you. And that's it for segment two of this week's show. When we come back, Dustin talks with Iowa Ag Secretary Mike Nag. This is Weekend Ag Matters. Hi, my name is Ethan Smith, and I've been a certified crop advisor in Iowa for about six years. The Iowa CCA program is valuable to me because it helps keep me informed on new topics and research around the industry, including soils, insects, diseases, and much more. It's also a great way to network with others around the state and beyond. Iowa is known for its crops, and that's why we're here. To learn more about becoming a certified crop advisor, visit iowacca.org. Welcome back to Weekend Ag Matters. Here's your host, Dustin Hoffman. Welcome back to Weekend Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. I'm Dustin Hoffman. It's time for our monthly chat with Iowa Agriculture Secretary Mike Nag. It's, it's hard to believe, you know, uh, October flew by and, and uh, next thing you know, it'll be Christmas and snow will be flying and oh my gosh, the end of the year is upon us. <laughs> You know, as you bring this up, snow will be flying. I mean, it already has flown well, in a few true. parts of the state. And I mean, have you seen any in your neck of the woods? Yeah. Yes. In fact, uh, we did. And and you know, at least at least this time of year, you know that it's it's going to go away. Uh, at least uh, you know you get a couple of weeks down the road, and heck, it could stick around. So yes, we have seen the first measurable uh, snowfall in the state of Iowa. And uh, you know, we 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 sort of knew this would happen, didn't we? That about the time we'd really uh, need to get into harvest, then we'd start seeing precipitation. And unfortunately, that really has just how it's played out this fall. You know, for the most part, though, we did have a nice long fall, at least here the last you know couple of weeks. But yeah, snow is falling. I mean, is how much we, we just got the crop progress numbers. I mean, looking out in your neck of the woods and hearing what you're hearing around the state, is it, is it going to be a huge problem or do we think it can melt off and we can get across the finish line okay? No, I think we're going to be okay. You look at the 10-day forecast, we're going to get back into more mild uh, temperatures, more seasonal. In fact, I think the outlook even would have us be a little warmer than normal. So, you know, we're, we're in a cold snap now. We're going to see 50s next week. Um, you know, obviously, we've still got a crop, uh, you know, quarter of the corn still needs to come in. Uh, you know, we're just under 10% left on, on beans. 
Yeah, which is not unusual. We're right where we need to be. Uh, although I do like to remind folks and folks listening to this will know uh, there's a lot of work that gets done after the combine is in the shed, uh, especially for our livestock producers. You know, that's where you can have some challenges of making those cornstalk bales or or getting some tillage done. But uh, by the way, we're really, it's been a great fall for cover crops, uh, you know, where it had been so dry, uh, would make one wonder whether you could even get something up and growing. Uh, as it turns out, yes, in fact, uh, great cover crop seeding conditions, and we're starting to see those fields green up. You know, and cover crops is something we've been talking a lot about. I mean, conservation anchorage and what we're doing in practices. I mean, we just talked about a milestone last month with the 4 million acres involved in, in, produ- in, in conservation agriculture. But, you know, our, you know, the, the incentives are obviously there to, to, to plant more cover crops going into 2024. And, of course, we know that starts here this fall already. It, it does. And, you know, what I'm excited about is, you know, we're, we're pushing that 4 million acre mark, which is huge. And uh, by the way, yes, uh, we have certainly invested in and uh, cost share. And there's, you know, there's there's multiple ways that that can happen through state programs, through the the crop insurance discount program. You can sign up with USDA. There's some private sector uh, payments out there. But just let's be clear, uh, there's not four million acres worth of cost share being paid. What that tells me is that people are seeing the benefits uh, that they are, yes, using the cost share to get started or to de-risk those first uh, experiences with it. But this is growing beyond our ability to to cost share on it, which is a good thing, right? If we're going to see four, five, six, nine million acres of cover crops, you know, that can't all be done uh, on a cost share basis. So we are really seeing the gears catch and folks are definitely seeing the benefits and we're hearing lots of good stories. So we just need to keep, we just need to keep doing more of it. And of course, this is all part of, you know, the nutrient reduction strategy, trying to benefit soil health, water quality. And what's you kind of use that as that segue into some of the water quality projects. I mean, IDALS has been announcing some fast and furious in several counties around the state, and it seems to be growing. Well, it, it is. I love this. Uh, we're on a steady drumbeat of, uh, of announcing new projects. You know, uh, we, we're coming off of, you know, now two years of record setting uh, conservation engagement in the state of Iowa. Uh, we're certainly pushing to hopefully ensure that we can stay. That's a that's a third year. And I have to tell you that already uh, numbers are looking really good, uh, but we're going to keep the pedal to the floor. We've been announcing some, uh, you know, some extensions of some of our watershed projects that we've now had for three or, or, or six years. Uh, and then we're also announcing some new batch and build uh, projects, which you and I have talked about before, you know, where you've got uh, counties that are actually getting involved with us. We're signing up. 20, 30, 40 uh, bioreactors or saturated buffers together in one group. The county actually uh, finds the contractor, does the work, and it's uh, it's about as streamlined and straightforward as it can possibly be for a landowner or farmer to sign up. They just say, I'm interested. Uh, come look at my, uh, my field. Come look at my tile outlets and uh, get me into the program. And we've had tremendous success. So really excited, but we're uh, we're we're announcing things left and right. It's exactly where we want to be. And it would not be possible without all of the partners who are working with us to get this uh, this job done. And of course, as we talk about fall, though, we have to go back to the downside of it. And we have seen the return of the bird flu or high path avian influenza. Uh, you know, talk about the situation we're finding ourselves in again this fall. Yeah, unfortunately, um, you know, you think back 2015 was the first time that we saw widespread high path evening influenza and it was a spring event only. It was when the wild birds were moving north. Uh, then we had the, a reoccurrence and, and you know, the next round of that started in the spring of 22. 
Um, we saw it in the fall of 22. We saw it again in the spring of 23. Now we're seeing it again in the fall of 23. Unfortunately, what that tells us is that the virus is still circulating among the wild bird uh, population. And so as they're migrating south, we started to see uh, positives spring up in South Dakota and Minnesota a few weeks ago. And, and you know, it just makes sense that as those birds are migrating south, uh, that that we would see a, a th the threat increase. And unfortunately, now we have. Uh, so we're sitting at 35 uh, cases today in the state of Iowa. Don't be surprised if you see that number go up. Unfortunately, it's just that it's prevalent. It's here. Uh, we're working hard on biosecurity, but uh, it's it's definitely a constant risk. So let's kind of mention then uh, what kind of uh, the biosecurity, let's just remind our producers what those biosecurity things are that they can be doing uh, to help mitigate the, the chances of their flocks catching this. You know, generally what you're trying to do is just keep keep a, a barrier between what's outside and what's inside. And so that's everything from tracking a virus in or outside material in on your clothes, your boots, uh, you know, keeping wild birds <clears throat> out of your buildings. And, you know, that's, that's the other thing that can happen. Uh, you know, it, there's just a number of ways that, that you can get that virus inside of a building and you've got to stay focused on, on biosecurity. Now I will say this, and, and again, I, this, this must be said and acknowledged, uh, we, uh, the, the industry has really stepped up on their biosecurity. You know, back in 2015, we saw a lot of movement of the virus between farms. Uh, it was la spreading laterally. We haven't seen that in this most recent outbreak. It's wild bird introductions on, on each farm. And, and again, that tells me that our biosecurity has been elevated as it relates to going farm to farm. Now we've really got to go to the next level on trying to keep that wild bird separated from the domestic birds. And uh, unfortunately, it's just a really infective virus, and um, it's it's a tough one to deal with. Our producers are doing good work, but uh, unfortunately, we have seen a return. That, again, was Iowa Agriculture Secretary Mike Nag, And that's going to do it for Segment 3 and for the Weekend Ag Matters program. Don't forget, you can find all our content online at iowaagnet.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and on our YouTube channel. From the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Networks in Des Moines, I'm Dustin Huffman. For Mark Magnus and Riley Smith and Russ Parker, we thank you for listening. This has been Weekend Ag Matters.